Good morning, fellowship. Uh, my name is Eric Hoffman. Let me add my welcome. I'm one of the executive pastors here. I'm normally uh, at Franklin campus on Sunday, so it's a joy uh, and an honor to be with you all uh, this morning. As a way of uh, getting to know you and, and setting up a text, I want to just do a quick little survey. Um, how many of you would describe yourself as great at multitasking? Okay, just, just, you know, you can raise your hand. If you're proud of it, you know, just raise it, raise it up, okay? All right, now the next part is going to be confession, okay? Set, set it up. How many of you check email under the table while you're in a meeting? Okay, you're in a meeting and you check your email under the table so no one else sees. Okay, oh, real quick one right there, okay. Um, how many of you text, you're in a conversation and you're texting somebody else who isn't in that conversation. You're, you're texting while you're having a conversation with somebody, okay. Gu guilty, okay, I see it. Um, how many of you, while you're driving to a restaurant, look up the menu to that restaurant while you're driving? Okay, I, yeah, okay, let's be honest, okay, all right. And then um, how many of you right now, as you're listening to me, you're zoning out because you're checking your fantasy football team and adjusting <laughs> last minute changes. Um, now, some of you didn't raise your hands because you felt like this was a setup and you're right. Um, because what I found and, and looking at this is the dangers of multitasking. Multitasking is actually really, really, really dangerous. And in fact, a lot of the new research has shown um, Multitasking actually de decreases our ability to remember. It breeds disconnection with those we're in relationship with because we're always distracted. It causes a, um, it can often cause stress, anxiety because of information overload. We're doing too many things at one time. Multitasking actually leads to less efficiency and productivity. Um, and if you think about it, the research is new on this and the developments are new on this because primarily we've never had the device that we have at our fingertips. Now think about what your cell phone has replaced, all the different tools and devices that you needed to be able to do what your cell phone now has, like a flashlight, music player, GPS, you know, all of those things, calculator, all of those things are now in one device. But you can kind of go back and forth, you know, multitasking on your device and brings distraction. Well, as I was thinking about this, you know, one of the a couple stories came up as I was, I was looking at this of the dangers of multitasking. One of them was a, a doctor was preparing a, uh, someone for heart surgery and needed to change their medication so that they didn't bleed out. And uh, while they were changing the medication, got a text, responded to that text and forgot what they were doing and never changed the medication. Okay, so that surgery quickly became saving that person's life. Uh, New York City uh, looked at pedestrians who were hit by cars. They looked at 1,400 pedestrians that were hit by cars and they surveyed them. One in five of the pedestrians who were hit by cars were on their phone as they got hit by the car and it would have been avoidable if they weren't on their phone. Now, I would have loved to see in the survey is how many people who hit the pedestrians who were on their phone were on their phone who hit the pedestrians on their phone. You know, it's like one of those things, but the reason why I say that the multitasking is so dangerous, Paul in this, in this section of the text is gonna show us not multitasking, and how to do that, but how to live life with a singular focus. How to actually focus on one thing, the most important thing, that is to know Jesus and become like him. How do we 
as believers in Jesus, focus on that thing. Not, not try to multitask, but to focus on that one thing Paul is saying demands and deserves all of our attention. So here's, here's the outline for where we're going today. Paul is gonna show us what he is pressing towards, what he's leaving behind and how to follow him in that one goal. What he is pressing toward, what he's leaving behind and how do we follow him in that one singular goal. So if you have uh, your scriptures with you, uh, whether it's the Philippians book or, or Bible or on your phone, turn to Philippians 3, 12 through 16. We're gonna look at uh, the focus of having that one goal and what that looks like. Now, one of the things that I wanna encourage you to do if you haven't done this already is, is actually read the entire letter of Philippians. And one of the things that's gonna happen in our text this morning is you're gonna pick up on different phrases that Paul is gonna use that he has used and talked about in uh, earlier parts of his letter to the Philippians. One of the things that I wanna do today uh, and it's important to do in our text is Paul has not just written one letter to the Philippians, but he's written multiple letters to different churches. And so if you, if you think about um, Paul is actually actually hyperlinking things that he's talking to the Philippians, we can actually look in other letters that he uses these same concepts to actually give more clarity to what he's talking about to the Philippians. So we're going to do a little bit of that. I call it hyperlinking in in, in Paul's letters of where he's actually talking about something in this letter and and the same phrase is going to be used here. And sometimes it brings more clarity. So that's one, one way of, as you're reading the scriptures at home that you can kind of think, okay, these are connected. This is one person talking to multiple audiences, but he has these same concepts in mind. So we're going to do a little bit of that this morning. So let's pick up in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Okay, so the first thing that should jump out to us is Paul is referencing something but because we know this, because what's the this? What, he hasn't obtained this. So the question that should come in our mind is, well, what is the this that he hasn't obtained? So we look back into verse 10 and we see that he's, he's referencing what he mentioned in verse 10, that his aim is to know Christ, his resurrecting power and to become like him. That's what he has not already obtained, okay? So that's the thing that, that's the this that he's talking about in verse 12. He's acknowledging that this is something he has not arrived at, but is continually pursuing. So the word that he uses that he presses on to make it his own, that press onward in the Greek is dioko, which means to run or to catch somebody, to pursue a goal like as a, as a finish line, to pursue in such a way that it takes striving and great effort to do. And he uses this, if you drop down to verse 14, he uses the same phrase in verse 14 of pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he's tying this language of, of, a, of a runner, think about of a runner trying to catch or trying to uh, strive towards a finish line. And there's another place that Paul, Paul does this. In, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, he actually uses the image of a runner running a race in such a way to win the prize. So you may, you may be familiar with this. Do not, do you not know that all the ra- uh, runners in a race run, but only one receives the prize. So run in the way that you would obtain it, that you would cross the finish line, that you would strive in such a way that you would have this goal of crossing the finish line in such a way that you would press on towards that goal. That's what Paul is bringing to our attention here and the image that he would have uh, for us. So press on, uh, the NASB says that, um, 
that he made us his own, but the NASB says that he has taken hold of us. So therefore we should take hold of him. Okay, so because we, he, we've been made his own, because he has taken hold of us, we should strive and press on to take hold of Christ. Uh, verse 12, the back half says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. It is because Jesus and what he has done that we are children of God, that we are brothers and sisters, we are sons and daughters, that we are his own, we are adopted into his family. And so because of what Jesus has done, that we actually now should live into that to make that reality our own, that we would actually experience that reality because we've been taken hold of, we've been made his, that we would now take hold of him and make him our own. That's the language that he is he's getting at. Now, one of the things that he said in the upward call of Christ, that upward call of Christ, um, it's, it's hard to grasp from this part of, of the letter, like what exactly is he talking about? The upward call, like heavenward, but, but what is that exactly, that upward call that we've been taken hold of? Well, again, in hyperlinking to another letter that Paul has written in, um, in 1 Timothy 6.12, I'll put it up on the screen. You're gonna see that he uses the exact same phrase that he uses in Philippians in, in 1 Timothy, which actually gives us a little bit more clarity of what he's talking about by this upward call. So he says this, fight the good fight of faith, Again, take hold. So that's the same, same language of made his own. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So what Paul is saying is that when you placed your faith in Christ, at that moment, you were taken hold of. You had this upward call that one day you will join Jesus. Like when you die, you will join Jesus physically in the flesh. That he, that you, that is your upward call, this eternal life that you made a good confession about, this initiation of, of God at work in your life, that when you responded, you had been taken hold of by Christ. Okay, so the way I would, I would say this is faith is a response to God's work and initiation in our hearts. So God has done the initiation. He has taken hold of us. And now we, in response to how he has responded to us, we now try and pursue and press on to take hold of what we've been taken hold of for. So through faith in Christ, we've been made sons and daughters. We've been taken hold of. We have been made his own. Now we begin this work of pursuing of pressing into that reality that we are his children, that we have been taken hold of. We press into that to not live as, as orphans anymore of our own striving, of our own trying to find life apart from him, but to be dearly loved children who are pursuing that one day that we will join him physically, that one day we will be his and we've been rescued. So the moment that we've believed that good confession of faith, we move from death to life. That is what we said last week, of, that we are justified by his work. We are justified in his righteousness. And so now at that point, we begin this lifelong process of pursuing, of pressing on, of striving to know Jesus and become like him with our whole lives. That's the work of sanctification, becoming like Jesus, pursuing that, pressing on, striving towards that. So we press on to take hold of what we've been taken hold of for, to take hold of Jesus, to make him our own. 
because we are his own. It's that response to what he has done. Now, we fight the good fight. We press on towards this. And it is a fight. And it takes effort and striving because the world's values, the spiritual powers at work and our flesh are are trying not to make us become like Christ. It's countercultural to become like Jesus. It's against our own, it's against our own nature. And so the thing that Paul is saying, this, this will take your effort to press into this singular focus goal of knowing and becoming like Jesus, because things are working against that in your life. There's outside forces and there's internal forces that are, are trying to not let that be your primary focus of becoming and knowing Jesus. And so Paul is using this language that we need to press on, that we need to strive with this goal in mind to know him and to make him our own. We need to have that mentality, that singular focus of striving after this one thing. So how are we to do this? How are we to strive after Jesus to press into this, to take hold of this in such a way that we obtain this goal. Okay, so let's look at uh, verses 13 and 14 to see what Paul says, how will we attain this goal? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says that he hasn't, he hasn't taken hold of this, but he's continuing, so he does this one thing. So what's the one thing he does? Forgetting what lies behind, he presses forward, straining what is ahead. So that is when he dies and joins Christ. The work of pursuing Christ, the work of pursuing Christ then, is what Lloyd was talking about last week. And I love that Lloyd um, talked about it in this way because I think Paul's words here are in that, same, in that same vein. He talked about sanctification. And sanctification is the becoming like Jesus. It's the, it's the process of us moving more and more towards Jesus and becoming like Jesus. The thing that Lloyd said is that sanctification will feel more like a funeral. It will feel like things are being put to death around us and in us. Do you remember that language? And the thing that Paul is saying here is that what he thought was gain, he is now putting behind him. What he thought was gain, what he was pursuing in his own strength, in his own human effort, he has to put behind him now. So he's forgetting what he used to look for life for, what he used to strive for, and now is putting that aside and striving towards Christ. Now, sanctification is the continual act of putting behind things and striving forward. And so the thing, the thing that I would, would say that it makes a whole lot of sense with going with what was, Paul was talking about in the last text that Lloyd taught last week is there are things in your life where you were pursuing for life, but now in light of the revelation of who Jesus is that you've been taken hold of, we need to constantly be reevaluating what needs to be put aside so that I may obtain the one goal of knowing Jesus and becoming like him. So one of the things that um, Paul is saying here is, what, well, what does Paul put aside? So when Jesus revealed who he was to Paul, what did he put aside? Well, in the text uh, previously that you can, you can read, you can see that Paul uh, put aside 
all the things that he was holding up in his flesh, that he, he had reason to believe in the, in the flesh, the confidence of the flesh. This is going back to verses four and five, that he had reason for confidence because of who he was, his status, his zeal, his law abiding, all of those things by human effort and human systems would have told him that he was actually obtaining life. But in the revelation of Jesus, he, what does he say? Has become rubbish has become garbage, has become excrement compared to knowing Christ and becoming like him. So what he used to look for life for, what he thought was gained, he puts behind him and now strives towards Christ. So that is what, that's what Paul is talking about. Those things that he used to thought were gain, he is now putting behind him. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was, as I was reading this and I was preparing this was that list that Paul is talking about of his zeal, and his passion um, in, in former way of, of living, what he used to think. It says in, uh, in verse six, as to zeal, he was a persecutor of the church. Now, one thing that's, I, I don't know why this has never struck me before, but one thing when I, when I read that and I was thinking back to this, Paul was a persecutor of the church. He would have overseen the stoning and persecution of Christians before he came to faith in Jesus. And now he's going to the very house churches and very churches that he would have oversaw the death of some of their relatives. Have you ever thought about, I've, I never have thought about that Paul is actually, his conversion would actually you know, force him to actually go into places where he was overseeing the persecution of the church. And so one thing, that I was thinking about with this passage is um, I've actually heard this passage taken out of context to tell people to get over some traumas and things. And hey, that's in the past. Like just let that be the past. Just get over it. Let's press on towards the, towards the future. That's not what Paul is saying. Because I don't think Paul would have gone into those churches where he had a hand in ruining some of those people's lives and relatives' lives and said, hey guys, just get over it. Like it's in the past, like just move on. Why are we still talking about this? That's not how I think Paul would have talked about it. And that's not what this text is saying. It's saying what I thought was gain in my own human striving and effort is, is not gain, it's actually loss. And so I'm putting it behind me. So I wanna just keep this, um, this text in context of what this is saying. So if, if you've had something like this used, um, where it's, you know, this, this passage in particular, maybe pulled out of context for you um, as an individual or, or a collection of people who have faced a trauma and, and it's been used against you in that way. That's not what Paul is saying here. And so I just, wanna, I just wanted you to know that, that Jesus is for you. He is, your, he is your great shepherd who loves and cares for you. And um, that's, not, that's not what this text is talking about. So I just wanted to be clear on that, what he is talking about and what he's not talking about uh, in this text. Now, one of the things that um, you should feel is the tension between what Paul is saying is our striving to press on towards a goal, to see that realized, to, to take hold of, to press on um, in such a way to take hold of this, 
and then what's God's part? Like we should feel the tension of like, okay, what, what is my striving? And then what does God do in my life? Okay, we should feel that tension of what Paul is bringing up. And so um, William Hendrickson in his commentary in Philippians, I think gives a really helpful distinction here that's, that's really helpful in the language. When this perfection that Paul is striving towards is called goal, it would be viewed as the object of human striving. When it is called prize, it is viewed as the gift of God's sovereign grace to us. Though it is true that this believing and striving are from start to finish completely dependent on God's grace, nevertheless, it is we who must embrace Christ and salvation in him. It is we who must strive to enter in. God does not do this believing and striving for us. I thought that was really helpful. So to sum that up, so is it God's work of grace from the beginning to end or our believing and striving? Yes, that's the answer. It's both at the same time. And so I wanna, I wanna just kind of talk a little bit about where um, believing and striving in our own efforts and where the grace of God from beginning to end, where those can kind of get hijacked in two extremes. And I wanna kind of just paint a picture of this. So I wanna remind us that grace is, to us is an invitation into his presence. Grace is a gift of God that he does this work in us. But I wanna, I wanna show these two extremes of how they get hijacked. One is license and it would be um, the wrong view of grace, but it would be an over, over um, highlighting of, of grace and less on effort. So license would, would sound a little bit like this. We are gonna widen Jesus' commands because no one can live up to that standard and obedience is gonna get diminished. So all commands become suggestions. And we live for ourselves. We want our happiness to be at the center, our self-fulfillment to be at the center of our lives. And so we are gonna keep that there while holding on to some religious activity. So obedience to Christ is not a priority. The focus is on grace. It's high grace, which leads to low effort. The call to become like Jesus though, is a call to obedience. And so the thing is, is that grace is not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin that empowers us to obey. So when grace enters our life through the gospel, it regenerates our hearts so that we, we don't need to strive and obey to earn God's love, but it so changes our hearts that we actually desire him to actually know him and become like him. Grace so changes and reorients our obedience, not to earn God's love, but because we have it, because we are his own. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is legalism. Now legalism looks a little bit more like this, where the focus is on works, the focus is on human effort. This is what Paul would have said he was, he was doing in there, he, that he was focusing on all that he was doing to gain and what he thought in his human system was, was doing this. And so one of the things is, is that we create a standard where we try to live up to that performance but we actually lower God's law and command, like the commands of Jesus, we actually lower them so they're obtainable in our flesh. Like we can, actually, we can actually do it. So we lower the command of Jesus to something we can, we can create and a standard we can achieve. Okay, but then we don't only hold the standard that we've created, we also hold others to the same standard. And you know you're kind of in this, this realm when you get really prideful and critical of others who don't hold your standard 
uh, or how you're living now or how you're viewing something. And you can, you can honestly get to this place where you can treat others as less than and, and their view of like, I don't even know how they could be a Christian and hold that view. Okay, that, that's, that's some of what's happening. Now, a lot of this is happening. Now, this isn't um, just on, on one type of person or not. A lot of this is happening in our culture and a lot of it's happening in the church. So in the theological uh, spectrum and in the, in the political spectrum, you see this where it's like, I'm right, my standard, my view is right, you're wrong, you're less than if you believe this. And, and, it's, and it's not, um, there's very little grace, there's very little humility uh, in living in the system. It's all focused. Both of these, what, what legalism and license has in common is that they're both centered in self. Self-sufficiency, self-fulfillment. So what Paul is bringing up in this is that it's God who initiates and it's us who responds and they work together. They should be growing together. So it would look like this, God's part and our part working together as we come to know and lean on in humility. And what Paul is saying here very clearly, I am striving for this, but I have not obtained this. So I want you to hear that, that Paul is recognizing he needs God in order to live the way God's calling him to. Does that make sense? He needs the grace of God to empower him because in humility, he's acknowledging that I haven't obtained this, but I'm striving for this. So grace and effort, grace and work should be growing together at the same time. They are working. We are co-laboring with God because it's God who works in us for his will and his good pleasure. It's God who does the initiating work and it's us who respond and we join together with what God is wanting to do in and through us. Both should be growing together. So the life uh, Christ calls us to is not us looking to self, but it's looking to Christ. So this, is where, this is where Paul is gonna say, the only way to live out where grace and works are growing together, where it doesn't feel like they're at tension with each other, is not be focused on self and how you do this, but to put our aim directly at the goal of knowing and becoming like Jesus. If our aim and our focus is him, this is where the tension gets a little bit removed because it's him who does a work and it's us by his work in us that we actually desire and want to become like him. And then we put the effort and striving in to do so. So grace is not relied on once, but continuously. Grace and works are not separate realities, but flow continuously together. And it's reflecting on what Jesus has done that allows our hearts to be changed and our need for grace in all things at all times. Okay, so let's continue on. Let's finish up with uh, verses 15 and 16. And um, I love the statement that Paul, Paul makes here. It's such a bold statement. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I love how Paul says this. Hey, everyone should think this way. And if you don't, God's gonna show you that you should think this way. I mean, that's essentially what Paul is saying. Um, I, I say things like that to my kids all the time. Like you are wrong and you should think this way. One day you will think this way. You know, I mean, that's essentially what Paul, what Paul is saying. Well, how, how can Paul be so bold in, in his statement in this? I think the NAS, NASB translation is really helpful. Uh, it brings more clarity. It says this, if in anything you have a different attitude, 
God will reveal that to you as well. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying, listen, this is the central focus of what every Christian should be about, to know and become like Jesus. Listen, this is what we should all be pursuing. This is what should unify the church. This is what we should put out in front of us and all press on towards together. Like this is the thing. Now, the next verse, we know that Paul is saying this with such boldness, but it's not like he's just saying this, like, hey, just believe that. What he's saying is, is no, I believe this. And I'm gonna show you with my life. The next verse, which we're gonna pick up next week, is brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So Paul is gonna say, listen, I am pursuing Jesus as the central one focus. Imitate your life after me. You're gonna see that this is the thing that we all should be doing. God will reveal that to you in his word. So what have we already attained? It's his spirit. We've already obtained our confession of faith and the word of God. You've already obtained these things. And as you mature, you're gonna come to see that this is the central focus of our faith. This is what we should all be about. Would you follow with me? I think Paul, what he's going after here is he's going after those who have become apathetic to that being their main goal. He's, he's saying, listen, like you guys have been distracted by so many other things. I wanna bring us back to this one thing we all should be pursuing with crystal clarity that our, all of our focus should be on knowing Jesus and becoming like him. That one day we will take hold of eternal life with him. That we all would take hold of what we've been taken hold of by Christ. So we need, um, we need moments like this of Paul's reminder to us, remembering what the goal of our faith is. It's not just to you know, hold on till we die or, you know, just try to be a good person, do some religious activities, try to become better at certain things. No, no, no. Take hold of, press on, follow Jesus with all that you are so that you may take hold of because you've been taken hold of, that you may make it your own because you've been made his own. Paul is is imploring us to live in this way. So one thing uh, um, as we come to, how do we apply this text of what Paul is talking about? What's the, as we were talking about this, the invitation to joy. What is our invitation to joy this week? Well, I wanna, I wanna put it in this way. Our invitation to joy this week is a call to pursue the one thing, the one thing that would move you toward the main thing, Christ. And I want to put it in, in the way that Paul puts it in this is what is one thing you need to put aside? What is one thing you need to put aside? And then what is one thing you need to pursue? So one of the things that um, Paul was saying, he, he's putting aside his, the human effort and the system of striving in his own strength of legalism. He's putting that aside. What is one thing you need to, to put aside? Where, where, where have you become apathetic to, to Christ being the main thing of pursuing of godliness and becoming like Jesus? What is one thing that is actually uh, hindering you from going towards that, from pressing on? What do you need to put aside? 
You know, when I was thinking about this, there's so many examples that started coming to my mind. But one of the things, honestly, for me, this is such a tangible step into this, is I charge my phone right by my nightstand. And the first thing I do in the morning, it's like, it's just like, I don't want to, but I do it. I just get on there. And as soon as I touch my phone, I'm on emails, I'm checking scores. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm doing all those different things. Okay, what would it look like for me to put that aside, charge it in a different room and start my day pursuing the main thing, which is the one thing, the only thing of knowing Jesus and becoming like him. And then what's one thing I need to pursue? You know, for some of us, you know, you're not morning people, but man, like if, if you don't start in the morning with pursuing this one thing, it just doesn't get pursued. And so maybe you just need to set an alarm um, and that needs to be the, the, the one thing you do. Here's the thing is I want us to um, take some time to be able to just think through this and reflect on this and, and actually have something in our minds that we are gonna put aside and one thing that we're gonna pursue that will help us pursue the main thing of who Jesus is. But we come to the Lord's table and I want you to take the elements of the Lord's table out. And one of the things, we're gonna do this a little bit differently, but I wanna remind us of why um, Jesus gave us two ordinances of, of baptism in the Lord's table. And both are centered on him and who he is and his identity and what he has done. And the thing is, is that he is the central part of our faith. So this is why we take Lord's table weekly to, to center our whole life on the most important thing, Jesus to remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus, to remind ourselves that he is at the center of all that we do, of why we gather together, of why we pursue. And so if you have um, put your faith and trust in Christ, this is a reminder that he has taken hold of you. This is a reminder that you have been made his own and to make your own and to strive towards eternal life being realized. This is also an invitation to those um, of you who are, are considering following Jesus. I would love for this to be the morning where you said, yes, like I want to make him my own. I want to strive after Jesus. I wanna follow Jesus with all I am. So what we're gonna do this morning and why it's gonna be a little bit differently is I want you to hold the elements. And you know, the words from our passage today is that in one translation is that Jesus has taken hold of us and you are, you are literally taking hold of the elements in your hand. And this is, this is for us to, to reflect and, and to think about how do we take hold of Jesus? And we have this tangible reminder that we're holding on to. So I want it to be in two ways that you're reflecting that you are, you're thinking, Jesus has taken hold of me. I am his, I belong to him and I am taking hold of Jesus in this moment. You know, one of the things that I have been praying this week um, is knowing that even the desire to pursue Jesus is the one thing in my life. I'm acknowledging that I don't even have that desire a lot. So Jesus, would you give me the desire to desire you above all things? What a beautiful prayer that would be for many of us. So Luke is gonna lead us in taking the elements in just a minute, but I want you guys just to reflect as he sings these songs of, of putting Jesus as the center part of our life, that everything in our life would be about this one thing, to know and become like Jesus.